0: The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at wgnsradio.com. Hip hip hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m.,
1: the signal's clear. Our favorite host
2: is in the chair.
0: The Truman Show.
1: Good morning, Rutherford County. Got my old buddy Thomas Booker on this morning. And uh, I know you've been talking to one of Billy Martin's sons. The only son. And uh, I was listening to some of your conversation, Thomas, and uh, I am totally fascinated by it because uh, Billy kind of brings up things, uh, uh, Billy Jr., uh, of things that are present and past and comparing the two. And that's one of the things that I absolutely have a hard time with are broadcasters of today's world because they, they have no knowledge or, or no respect from all the greats from, from in the latter days. They go all the way back into the 20s and come up to now. Uh, it, it, it seems like that they think that the only thing that counts is today's world. Right. Nothing in the past counts at all, and I, I've had a hard time with it. I really do. Um, I go, I go, I go back to to the old days when uh, I would listen to the Yankees ball games back in the '40s, and uh, our teachers would let us. Uh, listened to the World Series back during that time. There was no television or anything like that. And a lot of the people that are down here that were not really close to a, a major league franchise uh, the, had St. Louis. Sure. Uh, but it, it um, our imaginations, I mean, I, I listened to Mickey Mantle in, in, uh, in the, when he came up in the early 50s. And oh my gosh! I mean, I put him up on a pedestal. And even when television came, and you had uh, um, television would come on with the game of the week on Saturdays. And of course, Dizzy Dean uh, was the uh, the number one draw. On Pee Wee Reese. And, and well, even before Pee Wee Reese, he had an, he had another one there too. And um, it was uh, it was the most fascinating. Th- It was it was my dream world. I mean, it really was. Everything was just blown up, bigger than life back in those days. And in today's world, I I I watch television and I can only watch it so long. And I absolutely love baseball. You know, I started playing when I was just a young young kid. Most of us did. Sure. And and baseball was the game, uh, pretty much all across the southeast and. And you, you you did you did have college football, and which was great, uh, but uh, there was just something about it that um, um, you don't see anymore, and and I'm so sad about it.
3: That's why I love the history of the game.
1: Yeah, now how did you get to have such a great relationship with all of those great baseball players of latter day times?
3: Um. Uh. I think just my passion for the history, yeah, and you know, just wanting to learn more about those players from back then,
1: yeah, it just draws interest to me. Of course, you didn't you didn't have the the um, I, I, I guess the relationship with radio like I did Correct. back then, but it seemed like that the the, um, the the players. Uh, the way that the broadcasts were done back in those days, it it was from a different time. Oh, it was, and and, and you didn't have all the, um, I, I I guess the English teachers teaching <laughs> back in those days. In fact, they tried to run dizzy off at one time because they wanted everything to be perfect. The way to explain it, but baseball, it it, it really. Um, there, there is a different conversation for old-time baseball. Do you still love it the way you used to, or no? Uh, I haven't really had the uh, loyalty, you might say, or, or uh, the players of today are not blown up in another size and with, with greater um, all those great attributes that they did had back then. Now, I love. Uh, Freddie Freeman, and I love the Atlanta Braves, cause I guess you might say they're our hometown baseball team. Oh yeah, and and I would just uh, y- y- uh, I've got the Atlanta Brave baseball uh, shirt, and uh, there there's just something about it. It drew a yeah, I'm still a Yankee fan of of the old Yankees. There there's something about the Yankees. System is not like it used to be. The Mickey Mantle,
3: the Billy Martin era. Yeah,
1: and all the way back to Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Uh, that you know, those were special players back in those days and special teams. And they pretty much uh, they were the team for baseball back yep. in all those old days in the twenties and in and uh, in the fifties. Sure. It, it, it was just, um, they were really, really special. And you were talking uh, about Billy Martin. Uh, I remember when he made that great catch in the World Series. Game 7. You, yeah, every, every, everybody had just lost the ball. I mean, nobody <laughs> knew where it was. And here comes Billy flying across the infield and, and makes a great catch. He uh, had a – oh. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think Billy Martin just had a, a deep passion for the
3: game. He did. That you and I both love. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how
1: he would react to today's game. Um, We might find out here I in think a few minutes. He, I think he was t- would stay angry a lot of the time. <laughs> I really do believe. Um, You know, sometimes we just, when another era comes in, sure. we just don't fit in it. We really don't. And just like me right now, I don't feel comfortable in this era and all the things that are going on. Well, I feel like you, so I guess yeah. we relate. Yeah, but you get to bury all your troubles. (laughs) Some days. No, I was just going to say, Billy
3: Martin, I think, I wouldn't call it angry. I would call it passionate. I think he was very passionate.
1: Yeah, but sometimes passion draws anger.
3: Well, sometimes it does. When when
1: things change so much because you love the game so much. True. You really do. And Billy Martin absolutely loved the game. And just think of all of those players that uh, his dad were uh, the, Mickey Mantle, uh, Whitey Ford, um, all uh, Hank Bauer. I can I can name the entire team from back in the fifties, and most people have never heard of any of them. No, it, it, it's 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 a sad commentary. I agree.
3: I mean, you got nine people that make a team, but you got a couple star athletes that you know
1: always really stood out with the Yankees and and you think about it what is it that makes the fans like a particular just put them up on a pedestal what what is it that makes the fans love those type of players i think the media has a lot to do with it
3: i mean really they're the ones that kind of paint the picture like you said with dizzy dean
1: yeah but uh, but the numbers, they're, 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 the they're, wins, there are other things. Because when Mickey Mantle first went to the Yankees, he was going to be the uh, new Joe DiMaggio, and and they expected him to be that from the very get go. That's big shoes, and you know as well as I do, Mickey had a hard time when he first went up, getting started. I mean, sure. striking out and all that, and having a. Um, the fans can make a difference in how you play baseball because you're right there in front of them. And they're expecting a lot of times more, uh, than what you're going to be able to offer when you first go up. I mean, Willie Mays had a hard time uh, getting started and look what they turned out. I mean, they were just unbelievable. And I know that Billy had a big impact on, uh, Mickey Mantle and, uh, and, and so did, uh, I, th- I think, that Whitey Ford was one of the greatest pitchers that ever uh, was on the mound. I don't think there's any doubt about it. See, I think he's underrated. Oh, I think he was too. Look, look at his World Series record. It's just unbelievable. World Series pitching. I mean, he was dominant for many years. Yeah. I don't think he even had a losing season as a pitcher. <laughs> I don't think he did either. But if you look for his delivery, it's just you can't find anything wrong with it. And it's so, it looks like it's so easy when he gets up there and throws to home plate. Oh, gosh. And we just lost him, bless his heart, after all say, these years. Yeah. Last year he passed away. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh, how would you like to have been the son of some of those great ball players during history? It would have been neat, especially on certain teams and certain eras. Let me put you on the spot. If you had your choice of any ball player that would have been your dad, of course, you've got a great dad, and he lives in Ohio, but pick a baseball player and all the things that that player accomplished and his personality, who would you select? Mm. And you can go all the way back to the 20s if you want to.
3: That's a big question. Yeah.
1: That's a very big question. Hmm. I mean, I like Lou Gehrig. Oh, gosh. For for a person with his ability, all the things that he accomplished and the way he handled that terrible disease, it was unbelievable. And, and the speech he made. Oh, right. my goodness. And I think it just came right out of his head. I mean, he didn't prepare for anything. I almost wore a Lou Gehrig jersey today, but then I thought I'd wear a yogi since he and Billy were such good friends. But I don't see a number on that jersey. Oh, yeah, you've got it. you got number eight. And see, you know what the black armband here represents? What? Babe Ruth's death.
3: They put a black stripe on their sleeve after Babe Ruth died in August
1: of '48. Well, didn't they do that for, uh, wait a minute. They did it for Mickey Mantle. They did it for Joe DiMaggio. They've
3: done it for several different yeah. people throughout the history.
1: What happened to the monuments that they had in the in the old stadium? They were moved to the new Yankee Stadium. So they still have them out there. Still have them. And, and kind of like the same location. Mm-hmm. And Billy Martin, he's buried
3: 150 feet from Babe Ruth. Wow. Sure is, just north
1: of New York City. That, that, that's amazing. Buried in the how, same section. How many others are from the old Yankee team are would be buried there? I, I think Lou Gehrig's buried there, and I think that may be it. I've never been to the cemetery. Yeah. Is the the new um, Yankee Stadium or fairly new? <laughs> um, is it any way similar at all to the old stadium? I
3: think it's similar in some ways. Of course, you know, they've got different levels of seating and not just the field uh, and upper deck. Yeah. Of course, Yankee Stadium also had like a concourse deck or whatever you call it. But Yankee Stadium's a lot bigger, the new one. Of course, it's located just beyond left field of the old Yankee Stadium. Um, The Death Valley that used to be at the old Yankee Stadium, Mm mm-hmm it no longer exists. Hmm. So they pretty much kept the same field measurements from the old Yankee Stadium when it closed in 2008 when they opened the new ballpark. Yeah, It's just, you know, in the old Yankee Stadium beyond left field, it was a lot deeper from where they had, like I said, Death Valley. I think it was 470 feet maybe or something where the three monuments were.
1: Yeah. Well, what about the right field? Uh, at the, you know, Mickey Same was the only one that really came close to knocking one out of that stadium, and it was on the rise going up because I saw that uh, game, and uh, it was amazing. If he had just had it aimed a little bit higher, there's no telling how far <laughs> that ball would have gone. Because uh, I I still remember when they called it, and it was just everybody was just flabbergasted. They thought it was gone.
3: It would have been a moonshot, no doubt about it.
1: So, who how have you got on today? As far as Jersey? No, no, not Jersey. Oh,
3: what? You mean on the radio? Yeah. Well, Billy Martin's supposed to be calling in here momentarily. That's who I was just talking to when I came in. Uh-huh. So, I don't know if he's talking to Brian right now, maybe, or not.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to talk to him because... Does he have a how much of his personality uh, is like Billy Senior? He's very.
3: Uh, I think he's more quiet and reserved, but very proud of his father.
1: Yeah. So. But super nice. Yeah, you, you and I have been talking about some of the other uh, sons, mm-hmm. and and I think maybe even a daughter that. That you talked to me about. Talked to, yeah, about
3: Irene Hodges, daughter of Gil Hodges. Yeah. Of course, she just got elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame.
1: Um, Long overdue. There's one lady that's here at Adams Place. I haven't seen her this morning. And uh, w- when she gets out, we might call her in here because she was a big Dodger fan uh, um, when they were at Brooklyn. And she can just relate to some of the special things that she got to um, observe during those special days. Billy says he's on call or he's on the radio with us but we can't hear him. Hmm. Hey guys at the radio station can we get him connected? <sighs> Bless his heart. I know. <laughs> I hate that. Cuz I was looking forward to this. He is on the Uh-oh. air with you. Here he is. Well, how are hey, we you, fellas? Oh, good. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, I've... thank you, Brian, for getting Billy on with us. <laughs> how long have you been listening to us ramble?
4: Ah, uh, well, I heard you talking about the great Whitey Ford, and you know it's it's funny as soon as you brought him up. In today's world, he might not even be drafted because. Because Whitey was upper 80s. You know, he, he wasn't a, a hard-throwing guy. And the great Whitey Ford, maybe the best, definitely one of the best postseason pitchers, really, World Series pitchers in history because they didn't have playoffs back then. All of his <laughs> numbers were in the World Series. But uh, that guy probably would have to pe- play independently baseball, to get his chance to get to the big leagues. the way the game is now.
1: But he had such control, Billy. Uh, I I saw or even saw some of the repeat uh, plays of some of those games back then, and I don't think I've ever seen anybody that could place the ball where he would whenever he wanted to. 33 and and
4: and two-thirds scoreless innings in the World Series, the man pitched. That's (laughs)
3: That's <laughs> it's amazing. amazing. Was he like a Greg Maddox or a Tom Glavin?
4: Well, yeah, except for not not in the not 90s the like those guys were. And it's, look, those guys, lots of great pitchers continue to lose velocity but do very well because they do become so good at locating the baseball. Um, it just it just shows where the game's going. Uh, how you know? I wonder how many guys like that we're going to miss out on because they don't have the almighty super high velocity.
1: What do you think when the the uh, the baseball announcers from today's world when, when they talk about all the great players for today? But they don't seem to hold the older players up in, in high esteem like they should.
4: I, it drives me crazy, to be honest with you, because today's players don't know the history. Yeah. You know, I can, you know, I, I represent players, and, and I, I ask all my guys to pick up your phone and Google your coaching staff. So you know their history, because I can tell you story after story about guys in the big leagues having no idea that their their bullpen coach played in the big leagues. <laughs> or yeah. you, know, you
3: would it, think they it, care. It's
4: sad, right? Because this whole game, everything is predicated on history, right? Every every record is trying it to beat is. another record. You know, <laughs> Clint Frazier was asked about Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio when he broke in as a rookie outfielder for the Yankees. He didn't know who they were. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I love the history of the game. That's right. That's Look, that's all we're talking about.
1: Yeah, I can, I've been listening to uh, sportscasters, uh, ever since I was, I think five years old, which that's been 75 years ago, and and I would still back in in those early days, I would uh, I would think about Babe Ruth and and Lou Gehrig and and all of those great players who played in the 20s and and on up, and I never lost my. Uh, respect for, for those players. And as I watch all the way up to today's world, my respect still falls back to them uh, and all the way through the 50s and even into the 60s. And uh, baseball has changed so much in a lot of ways, but I think the, um, the regard for the history of the game has really gone down and I am so upset about it because that's that's really where I go to when I start thinking about all the great players.
4: Well, you're you're so spot on and I'll tell you something, a lot of people don't even know this happened. But a couple of years ago renamed an award. He removed the World Series MVP award from the great Babe Ruth. The greatest Jeez. player to ever play this game. The man who saved the game from the Black Sox scandal.
5: Yeah. True.
4: For for years the World Series MVP was very accurately called the Babe Ruth Award winner. My father won one of those in nineteen fifty three. And I was ridiculously proud of that award and had such a man crush on the babe. He used to take me to a restaurant called Steve's Sizzling Steaks, where the babe actually used to hang out. And the owner would come tell us stories about the babe. And, you know, ironically, my father is buried. Home plate, basically a throw from home plate to second base from him, but, wow. but back to my original story, the commissioner removed the Babe Ruth Award and named it the Willie Mays Award and said, nobody will forget Willie Mays now. And I think in one fell swoop, he insulted both players.
3: Yeah, because, I agree with you.
4: Because Willie Mays never won that award. He played in two World Series, and he really didn't hit that great. He made that amazing, iconic catch that we'll all never forget. But it's going to work away from the the most deserving recipient of it. Not only was Babe one of the top ten hitters in World Series history, he was probably the best World Series pitcher in history, he pitched a complete game, fourteen inning, two to one victory in the World Series. He had Ritson, yeah. a, like a twenty nine inning scoreless streak before Whitey beat it, and then I, Rivera beat that. Um, but the guy was amazing, and, and why not? Why not really reward Willie Mays with something that would make him proud? Because I think he, I don't think he probably feels this great about this situation because he never won that award. Why are they giving mm-hmm. that to him instead of saying, how about we're going to name the National League MVP after Willie Mays, one of the greatest players ever who won a few of those? Yeah, Let, let's, most let's definitely. Let's give him an award that makes sense.
1: Well, how do you feel, Billy, about when they uh, bring all the playoff records Together, instead of just focusing on the World Series, the, the the big games, the big seven games.
4: Well, it's they're they're different, right? I mean, one is right. one is certainly more important than the other. And the first time it really flew on me was I remember when Manny Ramirez surpassed Mickey Mantle for postseason home runs. Yes. And I remember yelling at the television set, <laughs> Mickey's were all hit in the World Series. <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, it's it's okay to say that, but then throw the tagline in there. That, hey, Mickey Mantles were all hit in the World Series. Give them the credit that they deserve, because, you know, my father had 97 or 98 Postseason at-bats. Well, they were all World Series at-bats. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's just delineate the difference. Take pride in the history. That's what makes baseball so special because it's been around so long.
1: Well, they not only snubbed Mickey and the players on the Yankees team, uh, but they snubbed uh, – the Yankee franchise period for all that they accomplished during those, uh, times that they made the world series.
4: Yes, It's it's funny. My father is a manager, you know, he he was only happy or he was most happy in pinstripes. Right. Yeah. And, And people always ask me why, why did he want to put up with that? Because, he, didn't, he wasn't just in love with New York City. He'd, he'd rather be in the country. He'd rather be in a smaller town. That was more who he was. He, but it was, it's simple. Why, why did he love being a Yankee? He broke into the Yankees in 1950, you know, because he played for Casey Stengel in 1948 for the Oakland Oaks. And then Casey got the Yankee job the next year in 49, won the World Series, so all of a sudden, he had a little clout, and he, and he told the Yankees, sign this Martin kid. I, I, I want him on my team. You know, when Dad played for Casey in 48, the Oakland Oaks won it all, and Dad was the youngest player on the team, and he, uh, he also roomed with a man by the name of Artie Wilson, the first black man to play in the Pacific Coast League, and... You know, so Casey Casey wanted Dad a year later, not not so much just because my father was a good player, but he wanted his attitude, he wanted his grit, his his mouth, his fire. You know, he wanted his mind in the in that dugout with him, and you know, Mickey used to tell me about that. He said, "I knew your father was going to be a great manager when we were players because." He'd see something on the field and run over to Casey and say, Look, look where the, look where the shortstop's playing. We can steal second. They won't even make a throw. And he, he would notice the pitcher tipping his curveball and things like that. Uh, Mickey'd say, Oh, shucks. I'd just go out there with my glove and my bat and do my thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not many people had Mickey's uh, talent, you know, this ability to hit the ball out of ballparks. Um, but anyways, Dad gets to New York in 1950. Halfway through the season, they win the World Series. Fifty-one, they win the yeah. World Series.
0: Fifty-two, and they're beating good teams.
4: He, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, fifty-two. He makes a game-winning catch on a, on a Jackie Robinson pop fly to win the World Series. Fifty-three, he's. MVP, Babe Ruth Award winner of the World Series. That's his first four years in the big leagues. It's World Series championships. And then, then he got drafted to go to Korea. The Yankees don't go in 54. He comes back late in 55. Mm-hmm. They go. They lose to Brooklyn. They win it again in 56. And then after an incident on my father's birthday in 1957 at the Copacabana club where he told his buddies they wanted to go told us, let's go see my friend sammy davis jr at the copa cabana club and a bunch of bowlers started throwing racial slurs at sammy dad and the guy stood up and said you shut your mouth or we're gonna shut it and uh ironically a little tussle ensued and, food, and uh, they traded my father because they felt like he was a bad influence on Mickey and Whitey, his two best friends and uh, I'm here to tell you that's a joke like Mickey and Whitey weren't going to go have a drink if my father wasn't around and if you really look at it my father was, was a good luck charm for that team not well, only did May not go the year he wasn't there, but when he roomed with Mickey, he won the Triple Crown. When he roomed with Yogi, yeah. he won the MVP. When he roomed with Rizzuto, he won the MVP. When he roomed with Whitey, he won yeah. the Cy Young. I'd hey, say that guy hey, was pretty hey, good luck.
1: Hey, hey Billy, they're going to put yeah. you on hold. Is that all right? We're going to take Absolutely. a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brian.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smart here at Bud's Tire,
5: we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudstireProsTN.com. It's Discount Mattress end-of-the-year closeout sale. All remaining 2021 mattress inventory is priced at or below cost to make room for new arrivals. With over 25 models to choose from, Discount Mattress is sure to have the right bed for you. Discount Mattress is locally owned and operated and has been serving Middle Tennessee since 2001. Come see us at 1647 Northwest Broad Street. That's next to Pinnacle Bank and Lexpro Automotive. All in-stock mattresses available for same-day pickup or delivery. Take a moment and rate your lifestyle on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 is a life that's nothing like the life you were promised after getting good grades, a college degree, and a good job in corporate America. 10 is the life of your dreams. If you answered anything less than a 10, tune into the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell's self-made millionaire and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited will show you how to live the life of your dreams and pay. Pay for it with passive income. The Dell Walmsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio
0: WGNS. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Rutherford County Schools wants
2: to hire more than 50 cafeteria workers. The school board last week approved a new pay scale for cafeteria workers, with pay for somebody with no food service experience starting at 1432 an hour. Those with three years of experience start at more than $15 an hour, with step increases with each additional three years of experience. All interested candidates should apply immediately at rcschools.net. There's a link to that at wgnsradio.com. Sheriff's school resource officers charged a Laverne High School student Wednesday after he allegedly threatened a girl after a ball game on Tuesday. The girl told SRO Matthew Errington she was talking to a boy when her ex-boyfriend and three other people pulled up after a ballgame Tuesday at Sperna High School, one of them with what appeared to be a long gun. SROs interviewed the suspect at Laverne High School, and he was charged with aggravated domestic assault and aggravated assault. A recent analysis found that in Tennessee, 6.6% of adults aged 25 and older live with their parents, compared to 7.3% of adults at the national level. The share of adult children living with their parents is much higher than even 20 years ago due to factors such as lower marriage rates, rising housing costs, and more recently, higher unemployment rates. In 2001, the share of adults 25 and older living with their parents was just 3.9%. And the Williamson County School Board is approving raises for teachers and staff. The board voted for the raises Tuesday night to find and retain workers. The district currently faces a shortage of 93 teachers after losing 500 over the last year. County commissioners still need to approve the increase. I'm
0: Ron Jordan reporting. The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news
4: hi this is bob cornell pastor of covenant church right here in murfreesboro tennessee the answer that you've been looking for is found in jesus and what he accomplished at the cross you see jesus changes lives from the inside out we would love for you to join us at covenant church located at 1124 brinkley ave right here in murfreesboro we have services sunday morning at 10:30 a.m and tuesdays at 7 p.m you can learn more about us at our cornell ministries youtube channel we want you to grow in christ at covenant
1: church
0: Good
5: Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon. We'll see high in the mid 30s. North winds at 10 to 20 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. Tonight, partly cloudy skies. A low of 19. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vuchitsky on News Radio WGNS.
0: On FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Alex, like Dan. And welcome back. Uh,
1: Billy Martin Jr., just absolutely in, enjoying it. Uh, 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 Billy, uh, Gil Hodges' daughter, just uh, uh, called in. So we're going to have her on in a couple of of weeks, I hope, and that'll that'll be fun. And we we have a lady who's she I I say she's from Flatbush, what we all called Brooklyn back in those days. But uh, um, tell me something, Billy. Well, what would happen if you were signed up to be a uh, sports announcer, baseball, for um, one of the uh, teams, like maybe the Yankees or something like that, and you could maybe uh, educate a lot of people what baseball was like and what it would be like if those players were playing in today's game.
4: Gosh. um, There are so many nuances that are changing. Yeah. Yeah. and and i want to i want to hope that a lot of it's going to kind of come back around. You know, today's player you rarely see a guy with a two-strike approach and and, and what i mean by that is today's player is is swinging for the fences. And yeah. and they and it's not just their fault. I mean, this is what the analytics guys are telling them to do. You know, right. they don't want them they don't want them Bunting. They don't want them pushing the ball behind it. They want them swinging for the fences. And I, John and McGraw I would die. It. Yeah, I, so would my father because, you know, and it's funny, people say your father would hate analytics. He wouldn't like this. He would love the information. He would absolutely love the information. But that wouldn't mean he would always go by the book. He didn't when he managed he stole home when nobody else was stealing home. He, he took advantage of what the other team gave him. And, you know, people don't realize, we were talking about Mickey Mantle earlier, if they'd have put a shift on Mickey Mantle, he would have hit against it. I guarantee it. He would have, he would have taken the free hit. And he mm-hmm. was so damn fast, he, he might have gotten a double out of, poking the ball the other way against the shift yeah. and people say well how do you know he would have done that I said well if Mickey went over for 7 or 8 he would lay down a bunt sometimes just to get himself yeah. on base kind of break up the mojo you know and, and get give him some I don't know some good mojo so that he could get back in a groove and you know today's analytics guys would have Screamed at Mickey for that. We don't want you're the most powerful hitter in the game. We don't want you laying down bunt. But guys took so much more pride in their batting average back then. And look, I get if you don't want the big guy giving up that strike three, you know, okay, but for some of the little guys, let's have a two strike approach. Let's put the ball in play. Let's let's hit behind the runner. Let's definitely take advantage of the shift because that's just an easy hit. Here, take it.
1: Well, you, you know, Mickey, um, he, Ted Williams once said that he would be the next 400 hitter. And, of course, hmm. a 400 batting average was like hitting uh, 70 home runs. I mean, it's it just <laughs> sure. very rarely done. And I don't think anybody's really come close in today's world. But he said Mickey would would do it. Uh, but Mickey, that all those injuries that he had playing the game, um, it 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 kind of uh, hampered him a lot uh, during the latter days of his life and, and playing baseball. Um, do you think Absolutely. if he had been uh, just absolutely healthy the whole time. There's no telling what he would have done.
4: Oh, that will think, you know, Casey Single wouldn't let him steal. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, of, of fear of injury. Because he didn't want to lose, <laughs> lose him at all. Uh, my father said they used to tape him up like a mummy <laughs> before each game. <laughs> they were wrapping him up in ace bandage all over, you know, putting horse lotions on his legs and things like this to, to help him play through the pain. And I means watch some old video of Mickey, even jogging the bases on his home run. You can tell how much pain he's in. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because so many people don't really know his whole story and and they say things like, oh, gosh, think if he wouldn't have drank so much. and They don't realize it. His father and uncles all died in their 40s. Yeah. And he didn't think he'd live to be 50 years old. So why not go out and have fun? Why not Carpe Diem sees every moment of every day when you don't think you're going to live that long in hey.
3: Hey Billy, yes, did you read Jane Levy's book on Mickey Mantle?
4: Uh, I read parts of it. Um, there's a lot of BS in that book. Okay. Uh, I mean, it it gets frustrating that these these people just want to talk about the uh, the things that they think is going to get in the tabloids that. You know, the, the dirt. That's not why we're talking about Mickey Mantle. We're not talking about his bar exploits or, you know. We're talking about one of the greatest players to ever play this game. guy that probably had the, the greatest set of tools. Sure. Just as far as, it, people don't realize his time to first base was the best in baseball history. From the left side, that's why he'd lay down a bun. He could just get on the left side and lay down a bun. He felt like that was a hit most of the time. And, you know, these people want to write these sensationalistic books about Mickey and my father and Whitey and all that stuff. The reason we're talking about them is because they were so good. I think if we all showed our skeletons, (laughs) uh, we'd be a little embarrassed too
3: we'd be on
1: tabloid wouldn't we
4: yes sir oh, I know <laughs> I would it's a family tradition
1: <laughs> why, well, do I, you, why do you think baseball always wants to change game the game to make it more sensational uh, a livelier ball and, and and all of those things that uh, um, people can reach new heights you might say Um why do they sell it for the players more now than they used to?
4: Uh, I think they're just always trying to keep making the game more relevant trying to make it a game that that kids will love and watch and and they they are losing some of the younger crowd to some degree but yeah but I think they're looking at the wrong thing I mean, Part of why we love the game is because grandpas take their grandsons and granddaughters to baseball games when we were growing up. You know, I I hear this story from so many people when my dad took me to this game, when my grandpa took me to that game. And, you know, they're talking about salary caps and luxury taxes and stuff. They should put a salary cap on how much they can charge for tickets? Because I agree there. That's what to me is one of the biggest problems: is to take a family of five to a game, to a major league game. It's it's a car payment now, and yeah. you know I, you can go to a college game or an independent league game for fifty bucks. If you take your family to a major league game, it's it's three fifty, and so i like to see him put some limits there because when we were kids, it was like going to a movie. And yeah. that's the way it should be because if, if John Q. Public can't go to the games, what's going to make him fall in love with it? What's going to make him have that same romantic feeling about it that we have?
1: Well, there's something... That is also happened in baseball, as far as the history is concerned, is the loss of so many great ball fields. And ever you were talking about granddaddy and, and daddy and all that, uh, we, uh, the kids today don't get to go to where uh, their grandfather w- would go and watch the games, and in in the granddads and all that, or the dads. But but uh, I, I I listen to some of these. Uh, um, uh, you know, Hollywood stars that grew up in those eras, and that is the most pleasant thing that they have to relate to everybody at baseball is walking out in, into Yankee Stadium or Ebbets Field or, or uh, over uh, in, in, into Boston. I mean, you think about those plays, uh, can you imagine that would be one of the greatest trips a kid could ever take? To go and watch a game where his granddaddy used to watch it.
0: Oh,
4: it, and it meant so much. I can't tell you how many times I'd be in the car with my father in New York driving around, and say, that that's where the old polo grounds used to be. Yeah. You know? That's where Ebbets Field used to be. And it meant so much to him. And you know, and I gotta admit too I <laughs> Fenway Fenway's the park for me that yeah I you know it's, it's the first one that I really got goosebumps and as as a kid it often growing up, I'd get asked by people you know oh gosh, what's it like being the son of you know a, a major league manager and I wish my dad was manager of the Yankees, and, of course, as a kid, I'd say, well, I wish my dad worked at General Motors with your dad. They'd look at me funny. I'd say, well, you get to see your dad every night, you know? I, I may get to see him on TV, but that doesn't mean I get to hang out with him every night, and it was, it was Fenway when that first hit me that how lucky I was I was I was traveling with the team. I was about fifteen. Uh, was it the Yankees I'm, or
3: was it the Rangers?
4: Yeah, it was, it was the Yankees, and, and uh, we, were, we were they were playing the Red Sox, and I was shagging balls in left field. I, I actually had Thurman Munson's catcher's mitt on in oh. left field, and wow. I'm in uniform. I was bat boying and uh, somebody hit a ball off the Green Monster. And it made that iconic Clang. thunk. Yeah, that only the monster sounds like, right? <laughs> and 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 all of a sudden it just hit me. And I'm looking at that hand-operated scoreboard, and I'm like, wow, man. Babe Ruth used to run around this outfield. The DiMaggio brothers. Ted Williams. Yeah. Tria Speaker. I'm get- yeah, I'm getting goosebumps now, I'll tell you. Because it just hit me. I was like overwhelmed with the history of the game in that moment, and I, <laughs> my knees were like knocking on the next fly ball that was hit my way because I was nervous. All of a sudden, and are just walking in Fenway to this day, smelling that old ballpark smell. It just it just moves me. And you're right. I I certainly think everybody going to miss some of
3: those things did you live with your or i'm sorry did your mom and you live with dad when he was managing the minnesota twins his one year in 69 and then later in detroit
4: oh absolutely so you know. so y'all
3: moved together as a family
4: yeah it was you know i liken it to be in an army brat or something because we were it didn't seem like we were moving somewhere every couple of years. Uh, Uh, He finished his playing career in Minnesota and then moved into the front office and PR department. Then he became a scout. That's when I was born. And then he went into coaching. Well, he was coaching third, and the team asked him to go to Denver to manage their AAA club, the Denver Bears. He didn't want to go. Dad was afraid to go down because he was afraid if he went down to the minors, he might not get back the majors and my mother had to convince him that it was the right move and we went to denver i was like 68 and he totally turned that team around a team that had greg nettles who he brought up the next year and played for him for the yankees also the great charlie Manuel, who became a world series winning manager himself and and his pitching coach slash closer was a guy named Art Fowler, who ended up becoming his, his pitching coach all along the way. But uh, the next year, he got the big league job for the Twins. And so we moved back How to Minnesota. How was
3: Did he like it?
4: Oh, yeah. He loved it. I mean, that was, you know, Dad was a great – Dad was a good player. He was a – he was a – great World Series player, you know, yeah. as a world, if there was a hall of fame for World Series players, he might be your starting second baseman, um, you know, because his average was almost a hundred points higher
1: in the World Series.
4: He was a 340, 247 hitter in the regular season. He was a 333 postseason World Series hitter, you know, But uh, after Minnesota, Detroit, then Detroit, Texas, and New York, New York, Oakland, New York, New York, New York?
3: Did he ever talk about why he did not start Jim Cott in Game Three of the ALCS in '69?
4: Well, he did. He did. I was only five, so I was. I didn't know if maybe he ever said something later on. No. I don't know. I, I know he absolutely loved Jim. You know, they did broadcasting together. Uh, one of the years he was, between I thought the they did later on. Yeah. In the yeah. early eighties, maybe. Yeah, and I, so I, I, I wish I knew. I, I would love to find that out because. What was your perception
3: of Charlie Finley?
4: I think Charlie Finley is absolutely a Hall of Fame owner. Uh, I think he doesn't get near enough credit for how ahead of the times he was in so many ways. And we're talking about a guy who was basically his own GM, right? That that won three World Series in a row. That was putting together a team like that. Yet he only had six people working in the front office. He had <laughs> very insane. few scouts. I mean, he was the cheapest. He was the most frugal owner in history. You know, he hired my father for one reason. He was trying to sell the Oakland A's, and he knew my father would improve attendance. I mean, it was your a, father
3: was a savior.
4: It was, it was a fact. Well, he, he did it. He did this for two different franchises, and really. Sadly, doesn't get much credit for it here in Texas because he didn't. The Tigers, too. Well, uh, the Texas Rangers were for sale also. That's why they hired Dad. They fired Mighty sure. Herzog. They fired a Hall of Fame manager to hire my father because, because Bob Short knew that Dad would improve attendance. And ironically, 1974 was the first year the Rangers drew over a million. And... He only had buyers in Denver and Seattle, I believe, that were interested in buying the team. And he didn't want to be the jerk to sell the Texas Rangers to Denver or Seattle. So then he hires dad, 1974, that they had that amazing year. They almost go to the postseason. Well, then you had people in Texas willing to buy the team. And and Brad Corbett was the one who, who ended up buying the team. You know, he doesn't get credit for keeping the Texas Rangers here. Now, they would have gotten another team. Sure. But they wouldn't be the Texas Rangers and they probably would be in Dallas, not in Arlington, Texas. And you know, it 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 eats at me a little bit when I go to this new ballpark and there's like two little posters of my father anywhere in there.
3: So that's all and, they have of your dad?
4: Yeah. Kinda kinda bums me out a little bit and you know, but, but, hey, I know the truth. That's what really matters.
3: Most definitely. But what about the Oakland A's? Don't you think they should honor your dad?
4: Yes. And, and they do in some ways. They had a neat uh, kind of billy ball uh, memory night a couple of years ago. My kids and I got to go to. Um, no. And, you know, and you mentioned Charlie Finley earlier. We're talking about a guy that when the Players Association started to really get their wheels under him and they were talking about free agency, Charlie Finley was so far ahead of the other owners that he said, all right, if they want free agency, let's give it to them. They are all free agents at the end of every season, which terrified the other owners, and they voted him down. Of course, the, the union reps for the Players Association were, were grabbing their head going, oh, my God, he's got us. If, if they do that, that will curtail salaries escalating too darn much. Players will actually get paid for what they just did, but but if you lose your first baseman, there's going to be 29 other ones out there you can sign. <laughs> They're all going to be free agents.
0: Most and definitely.
4: The, the other owners weren't as smart as Finley at the time, and they <laughs> kind of poo pooed the whole idea. But uh, had that happened, it would have greatly changed things because, you know, they'd have all been free agents every year.
3: That would have so changed the game.
4: Yeah, because you wouldn't have the long-term deals. How come?
3: (laughs) I was going to ask you one other thing about your dad, and I think maybe that was something that came about more in Oakland. But, you know, he was a strong Christian.
4: Yes, sir.
3: A devout Catholic. Yep. And you don't hear anything about that.
4: Well, look at some of the old pictures of him. Uh, You'll see crosses, sometimes up to three on his hat and
3: in between the ny
4: yes sir and and he like i say sometimes he put three on there and i remember finding out that that was actually against the rules you know you're not allowed to do that and i asked him about it one time and he laughed he said who's gonna tell me (laughs) who's gonna tell me i can't put a cross on my hat and worship the big guy and (laughs) you know (laughs) he's like i I dare him. Bring it. See,
3: I so, admire that.
4: Um, How now, people don't realize that about him, man. He went to church every uh-huh. Sunday. He may have sat in the back row. He may have been late sometimes, but he strongly believed.
3: So he was there at mass every yes, Sunday
4: morning. Oh, I, yeah, we, like I say, it was on Billy time. You know, uh, <laughs> we'd be late sometimes, but he knew where every Catholic church was in every city. And, and we'd go.
3: Did he really like his time in Oakland?
4: He, he loved part of it, but at the end of the day, even though that was home, Berkeley, where he grew up, you know, and, and, and I loved it for him there. I mean, when he told me he was going back to the Yankees, a reporter friend and I, we both, in, in unison, looked at him and said, Why? Because in Oakland, he was the Pope. He was... The the billboards just said Billy Ball. Catch it. I mean, when have you ever seen the team's campaign, the team's PR campaign, revolve around the manager? You're right. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it anywhere else. And in Oakland... never you know and here they had the great Ricky Henderson who was like a freaking one-man gang he was so good but that the billboards just said Billy Ball and he, he he was manager and general manager. The first thing he did when he got there was totally revamp the scouting department and hired all these old scouts and and people were joking that oh he's hiring all his old drinking buddies and I guess there was some truth to that because, they were the kind of people he liked to hang out with because they were old-school baseball men who knew what the heck they were looking at. And they turn around, and those, that group of scouts signed three rookie of the years in a row in Jose Canseco, uh, Mark McGuire, and Walt Weiss. Those guys were <laughs> three, all drafted from the scouting group that my father hires.
3: Three pretty big signings. Yes, sir. Wow. Um, and uh, he of loved course, it that there, changed the open just, franchise.
4: Mm-hmm. Very much and and, and, his old, and his good friend Tony LaRusa got to get the benefit of that.
3: I heard a rumor about your dad that uh, the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago White Sox had af- actually offered more money to get him after one of his stints with the Yankees and he declined.
4: You are correct that Cleveland even offered him part of the draw of the game. Wow. Um, Which was unheard of, you know, and still to this day hasn't happened. But he just, you know, like what I was telling you a minute ago when I said, the reporter and I looked at him and said, why? Why do you want to go back to New York? Why do you want to deal with, you know, the pressure of, of that, the George hiring and firing and all that on and off stuff? And, and he looked at me, and it's like literally the only time I've ever felt like my father wanted to smack me. <laughs> and, and he looked at me, and he said, because I'm a Yankee, pard, and I'm just not as happy anywhere else. And, you know, and he's saying that when he's in Oakland, or the the whole thing's about him. That tells you how important that was to him, because, you know... I didn't want him to go anywhere. He, he was in charge. He, There was nothing to complain about other than he wasn't wearing pinstripes. Do,
3: do you think your dad and George Steinbrenner were pretty much like the same person as far as that <laughs> desire and love for the game?
4: Oh, well, that talk about true love-hate. You know, um, dad loved and hated George at times. The things that they were on the same page were so important to my father. Obviously, they both had the desire to win. That was enormous, right? I mean, right. And and George possessed a loyalty that you don't see very often. And my father felt like loyalty was one of the key components to winning. Loyalty. It, it, it's, he talked about it a lot. And George was ridiculously loyal. He was a hard man to work for. He might call you at four in the morning and expect you to get your butt up and talk shop with him. But but if you made a mistake, if if, if you got a DWI, if, if you... Uh, messed up with the IRS. If you did something wrong, he might come get you out of jail himself and chew your butt out the whole drive home. But you still kept your job. And a a, a great story to kind of tell you what George was like. Because Dad would get really mad at him, obviously, at at times. And then George was born with a silver spoon. But well, George was also a really accomplished man. He, he, he was a college football coach. Nobody real knows this about George, but he went to a military academy. His father owned the American Shipbuilding Company. Not a American, the American Shipbuilding Company.
3: Out of Cleveland, Ohio?
4: Yes, sir. And George chased his own dream, which was to be a football coach. Well, He coached at two high schools. Then he coached at Purdue and Northwestern University. And then his father got sick. Mm. And he had to go take over the family business and leave his dream behind. Well, he did so well with the American Shipbuilding Company that he took it to new heights. It had never reached before. And suddenly had all this extra money. Well, then he started trying to buy an NFL franchise. Well, this was the early 70s, and, and the NFL had just blown up. He had some brief talks with Cleveland about the Cleveland Browns, but it disappeared. And then he stumbled on the Yankees being for sale. With $10 million, he purchased the New York Yankees. They got a group together, including the great John DeLorean of DeLorean Automobiles. Um, of this group of Ten million dollars. Guess how much of his own money George used to be the principal owner of the New York Yankees?
3: I would think probably the largest percentage. I mean
4: hundred and fifty five thousand dollars.
3: Oh wow. gosh. Wow.
4: That's a good That's it. Man, right. Dang. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. You could have
3: bought yeah. him. I guess so. <laughs> I feel I, stupid.
4: Uh, <laughs> uh, no, nobody gets even close to that, guess. Yeah, it's it's so funny, but uh,
0: dang. But
4: jo- yeah, but they uh George to to put George in perspective, he had a, wa- uh, a a waitress, he had a secretary working for him who allowed him to have a sandwich with mayonnaise one time. But she told her, it better not happen again. I hate mayonnaise. Don't ever let him put mayonnaise on my sandwich.
3: Sounds like Seinfeld.
4: Yeah. Also, sure enough, he gets another sandwich with mayonnaise on it, and he fires her. And one of the other girls gets the courage to walk into his office and says, Mr. Scheinbrenner, the only reason she was working here was to pay for her son's college tuition. Now, like I say, George was George, but he had a heart. He had loyalty. He, he, he set up a lunch with that kid, sat down with him and said, look, if you make your grades, I'm going to pay for your college until you graduate. You got to make your grades and I'm not hiring your mayonnaise order and mother, mother, mother back, but, uh, I'm going to pay for your college tuition. And wow, yeah, that—that's George. I mean, he—he he had a heart. He had. I—I well, I worked for the Yankees one year when I did an internship when I was in college at Texas Tech University, and and uh, he called me in and I, my last my last couple of days there, was his office, and he said. I've been checking on you. Everybody loves you. You've done a great job. You have a a job with the New York Yankees for life if you want one. Wow. And people don't know that my father had a lifetime contract.
3: I knew he signed one in the 80s.
4: Yep, he sure did. And, you know, people talk about the hiring and firing. and, And, yes, like I say, George... George probably meddled a little more than he probably should have, but you don't get to be as successful as he was without meddling, without thinking you know how it, it's all run, and, and without pulling the trigger. So I understand the man very well, and sure, I'm sorry. I, I, I respect him. I think he's a Hall of Famer. And well, and I, I'm I with to you on that. Together.
3: I think your dad's a Hall of Famer. I think George Steinbrenner's a Hall of Famer. When I think of Billy Martin, I think of George Steinbrenner. When I think of George Steinbrenner, I think of Billy Martin. And I hope one day they can both go in together where they rightfully belong.
1: Hey, Billy, we've run out of time, unfortunately. Actually, they let us go over a little bit. But we do want you back on. I I, I thoroughly enjoy when you're on, on the show.
4: I do too, fellas, and I'm sorry I get a little long-winded because this is stuff that means
1: so much to me. And uh, It does to the I, rest of us, big boy. We
3: hope that your mom was able to listen this morning and wanted to tell Miss Gretchen hello.
4: <laughs> she, she is, by the way. Thank you very much for that.
1: Well, good to hear. We'll have you back on, Billy.
4: I'll look forward to that, and uh, let's charge on through the fog and hope there's no... Uh, No delay of opening day.
3: Fingers crossed and amen to that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Billy.
3: Be safe and take care.
1: All right, guys. We'll see you in the morning at 9.
0: From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.